0: And hey, hey. well, good morning, family. Good morning. Good morning. You guys excited to get into the Word of God? Yeah. I know Satan's trying to keep us from this Bible study this morning. Woke up with a little headache, spilled coffee all over my shirt. No. Jesse couldn't get through contribution without the wind blowing and knocking over everything. Uh, the song wouldn't play, and now it's raining outside. So don't be discouraged. Take heart. We're going to get into the Word of God. Amen. Let's go to God here in a word of prayer. Father God, we just thank you for this beautiful morning. We thank you for gathering us here together. We're excited to get into your word. We pray that you move our hearts. Fill us with conviction and compassion for this lost world. Help us to build deeper convictions about walking with you. And I really pray, God, that we learn to make the most of every opportunity. Father, we also want to pray for our dear friend, Ed, who's got surgery tomorrow. Please be with him. Help us to love up on him. And I pray that everything goes smoothly with the doctors tomorrow. We know you're in control, and we love you with all of our hearts. It's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. 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 uh, Well, before we get going, I do just want to welcome you to the second anniversary service of the Seattle Church here. And if you were on the original church planting over two years ago, if you would please at this time just stand on up so we can recognize you. In a great way. Uh, I'm just so proud of the church and the perseverance of all the disciples over the last couple years. You know, like I was joking earlier, it's kind of like raising children. When you hit the first and second birthday, it's more about the survival of the parents than it was about the fact that the kids are actually one or two years old. And it really is awesome just to see not just the fact that we made it two years, but that we made it and we're healthy. Amen. You know what? had some challenging times on the original planting. We've been through a few things, but we're not going to talk about any of that this morning. I heard a quote yesterday that inspired me and really reminded me of what it's meant to be here in Seattle. It says, gratitude makes sense of our past, brings peace for today, and creates a vision for tomorrow. If I were to look back, And make some sense of it. I would say year one was all about building family in the church. And really us getting to know each other. Because so many of us came from different corners of the country. We didn't even know each other. And yet we were called by God to to start a church. And we really spent the first year really solidifying our relationships and building family. If I was to sum up the second year that we just experienced. I would say it was all about building convictions. Because what we saw was not just the relationship strengthened, but really our relationship with God strengthened. And so many new people stepped up into leadership. And because of that, we got to see unprecedented growth here in the church. And I have a vision for year three. My vision for year three is that we will build a solid foundation and the foundation will be completed for the future. There was a movie I thought of. It's called *The Edge of Tomorrow*, and it's got Tom Cruise. And he's a political affairs officer, and he's called by his superiors to go into battle. Now, it is futuristic, and there are aliens attacking the, like, the, you know, world and everything like that. But you know, Tom Cruise is out there, and he's fighting these battles. And because he has no battle experience, he dies within minutes of getting onto the battlefield. <laughs> And he dies so fast, it's a little embarrassing how he dies actually. And he enters into a time loop. And when he wakes up, it's the beginning of that same day again. And he's with the same people going into the same battle. And again, he dies quickly. And he wakes up and it's the same day. And he dies again and he wakes up and it's the same day. And he realizes that he's in this time loop and he determines himself to actually learn how to fight. He's like, well, if I'm going to keep living in this battle, and I'm going to wake up continually every time I die, because that's what happens in battle, then at least I'm going to last a little bit longer each day that I fight. And so he finds this woman who is a warrior, and she starts to train him how to fight, and every day he survives a little bit longer. And by the end, you see the big picture, which is really that each repeated encounter is just getting him one step closer to defeating the enemy. And I'm not going to go into the end of the movie. But the tagline of the movie is live, die, repeat. Mm-hmm. And in a way, that's what we're doing as disciples of Jesus Christ. who are repeatedly dying so that Christ can live in us. And so the title of our message this morning is The Edge of Tomorrow. No. Point number one, the battle. Look over to Ephesians chapter six. It's been two years, I think it's time for a new podium. (laughs) If anyone wants to donate a new podium, it will be gladly welcomed. You will not see this next week, that is for sure. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read here in just a minute, but you know there's a a quote in in the movie where one of his superiors says, battle is the great redeemer, it is the fiery crucible in which true heroes are forged. The one place where all men truly share the same rank. Let's read here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Come on, bro. Part of the speaking. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Come on, Joel. We read. And after you have done everything, to stand. You know, the Bible teaches right here that we are in battle. Now, it's not a physical battle. It's not something you can see or touch or feel. But it absolutely is a real battle. It's a spiritual battle that we fight. And therefore, we cannot fight with material weaponry. We have to fight with spiritual warfare. And he goes on and he describes what our full armor should look like. And included in it, is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Mm -hmm. You see, the battle is very simple. The battle that we're fighting is against the devil and the evil schemes that he has set up as traps for every human being. Because ultimately, his goal is to drag souls into hell. And so it's a very spiritual, real battle. Don't get it twisted. It's literal. We are in battle. Even at this moment, you are in battle. And there is a battle between Jesus and the devil over your soul. And so we've got to decide to fight this battle. And someday it's going to feel like the edge of tomorrow. We are fighting every single day. But the goal is to get closer and closer to victory. Come on, And we have the sword of the Spirit. God gave us His Word. It is a standard for our lives. And it is to be used as a sword both for offense and for defense. You know, very often... Satan can distract us and in a sense convince us that there are things that are the standard other than the word of God. Number one, people can get caught up in other people's opinions. Mm -hmm. And you start to think that other people's opinions about you actually matter. And yet they don't matter. In fact, in Galatians chapter two, Paul says, you added nothing to my message. He says, I don't care what you think. I'm in this for the long haul, it's between me and God. Yeah. We think that culture matters. Well, this is how I was raised. This is what mom and dad taught me. This is what our people do. And yet, according to the scriptures, there is one culture, and that is kingdom culture. Amen. That yeah. is the word of God. This is there is a standard for our lives. Yep. Now there are some disputable matters, but there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one doctrine that's going to save our souls. Yeah. Come on, dad. Come on. There are worldly yeah. pressures. The uh, term that is used amongst teenagers is peer pressure. There's a worldly pressure for unrighteousness, and it is a very real battle yeah. that we face. Yeah. And yet I think of Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. And so the worldly pressures to pull you away from righteousness are there. And yet Paul says, I am unashamed of the gospel. I care very little what anyone thinks about me because the Bible, the gospel, the good news, it is the power of God. Amen. Yep. Another battle we face is emotional challenges. I mean, we live in a city that is way above the national average for the suicide rate. There are emotional challenges that people face here. You may wake up one day and it's sunny and be happy, wake up one day and it's not so sunny and be a little down. Mm-hmm. And yet there are these emotional challenges where Satan is trying to stir your spirit and pull you away from God. Yeah. Because you don't feel like doing something. And yet Jesus gives us the solution in Luke chapter 9 verse 23. He says, you've got to deny yourself. Okay, come on, You're man. not always going to feel like doing what is right. Sorry. Come on, Joe. I believe that another <laughs> challenge, another battle that we face is the battle of building relationships. Namely, marriages. You know, it is destined that most of us will be married someday, if you're not already. And yet, in that incredible union that God creates for you between your spouse, where He brings two people together to be one person, there needs to be compromise. And where we get selfish and we don't get what we want, according to James there is going to be quarreling, and there are going to be challenges. And Seattle is above the national average for divorce rates. There are a lot of divorces that are happening all the time. Perhaps your family is divorced. And yet God hates divorce. He hates the idea of divorce. Mm -hmm. When he brings people together, he wants them together forever. And he only gives people two options for divorce. Number one is abandonment that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And number two is adultery that Jesus talks about. Other than that, God hates divorce. On, God. In Psalm chapter 107, verse 20, it says, He sent out His word and healed them and delivered them from destruction. Mm. I mean, we live in a world where we try to build relationships. It gets a little shallow. And then Satan attacks and destroys the relationships. I mean, how many of us have... Felt that feeling where someone stabs you in the back. You give them your trust. You give them your love. And you guys are starting to get deep. And then they stab you in the back. He's out to destroy your relationship and create loneliness in our world. And yet his word can heal our hearts. In Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, he says, Your words become a joy and a delight of my heart. I mean, Satan is out to rob you of your joy. He wants to kill your emotional stability and just destroy who you are from the inside out. And yet the Word of God can heal us and bring joy and delight to our hearts. Isn't that awesome? The battle is real. And we've got to choose to fight the battle. You know, I'm just so excited about our dear sister, Rebecca. Rebecca. My wife repeatedly says Rebecca was the most open person she's ever studied the Bible with. I mean, Rebecca literally heard about Sarah and, you know, the decision she made to make Jesus Lord and become a disciple. And so she started researching some things online and she found our church website and she found the series, the Bible study series called the first principles that we show people so that we can be unified with them in the spirit. And she decided to take herself through the Bible studies. Then she did a little further study on the the internet, and she found some persecution online. And yet she was willing to overlook the persecution because she understood 2 Timothy 3.12 says anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Mm. And she goes, well, if they're getting persecuted, that actually means they're doing something right. Mm. Let me go check this out. So she comes to Courtney ready to study the Bible. She's already been through all the Bible studies. (laughs) (laughs) She's already convinced that the persecution is garbage. And she is ready to make Jesus Lord. And of course, a couple weeks ago, she became our sister in Christ. That the battle is real. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, we need to understand that heroes are needed. There's another quote in the movie where he's kind of afraid to go out into the battle, and one of the commanders tells him, It's all right to be scared. There is no courage without fear. Look over in Hebrews chapter 11. Come on, Joel. I want you to notice here the hearts of of the people that the scriptures teach in Hebrews chapter eleven. Come on, Joel. In Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one, it says that faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen may not be. Uh, was not made out of what was invisible. By faith, Abel brought God a better portion than Cain. By faith, he was commended as righteous. When God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And the scripture continues to talk about Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses. And the list goes on and on of really heroes in the faith. You see, they were heroes because they had nothing that was going to convince them that God was real. And the promises were real, other than their faith. Therefore, they were declared as righteous. You see, when you can see the end in sight, then no faith is required. But we have no idea what's down this hallway. We have no idea what path God is taking us on. And that takes a tremendous amount of faith. And it's okay to be a little fearful. To not know what's going to happen in the future. Because that is actually what creates the opportunity for courage. And so, we can be heroes in the faith without being perfect. We can be heroes in the faith without being completely fearless. Because faith is not the opposite of fear. The opposite of faith is being realistic. And when you see the end in sight,
1: no faith is required.
0: required. If you jump to the end of the chapter... In verse 39, the writer concludes These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. You see, faith all alone makes you a hero. You may not be a hero to your peers, but you're a hero to the ancients. All of those people that were mentioned in the rest of the chapter. Because only together with you is their faith made perfect. Come on. The fruition of your faith is the fruition of their faith. Mm. And so they wait, and they hope, and they're confident that you will persevere in your faith. Come on, Amen. And when you continue reading in chapter 12, verse 1, it makes a little more sense. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Bible teaches, therefore, therefore, why do we need to persevere? Therefore, because they are watching. We have a great cloud of witnesses. Moses and Abraham, they're counting on you. David and Seth, they're counting on you. Come on, Joe. And they're witnessing your life. Mm. And they want you to be a hero yeah. in your faith. For the fruition of their faith. Come on. And the key, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the yes. pioneer and perfecter of our faith. What? You see, we need Jesus to perfect our faith. And they need us to, perf- to, to perfect their faith. And together, we go on to glory. Amen. You know, I so much appreciate my wife. Come on. Come on. Because three years ago, she voiced her dream to see a church planted in Seattle. And God called. God heard. God answered. And not only was a church planted in Seattle, but he asked her to plant it. <laughs> And so it was really because of the faith of my wife that so many of us are here today. Wow. See, she was a hero of the faith. She dreamed a little awesome. dream. And she wasn't afraid to voice her dream to God, to beg God to answer her dream. Mm. What kind of impossible prayers are you praying these days? Come on. What will be the fruition of your faith in five years, in ten years? But the culmination of souls going on to glory. You know... We were going through some challenges, and I'm not going to get into all of it, a couple years ago. And we really needed a brother that could come and help stabilize the, 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 the ministry of brothers here in the church. And then the Lord called Danny Gardner. And Danny moved here all the way from Boston. In the midst of challenges he was facing, he had just graduated college, got a good job And yet he gave it all up to come here and drive Uber, (laughs) (laughs) in the dream of unifying the brothers here in the church. God really used Danny in a great way because he's a hero in the faith to so many of us. He's a hero in the faith. He answered the call of God, and God was able to use that to affect souls. Mm -hmm. No, we face different challenges, and yet heroes are heroes. Because they fight for something greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. What are we fighting for? We fight for family. We want to build a church that we can trust. Mm -hmm. We want to build a church where we know people. Where we don't know who we're handing our kids over into the childcare, but we actually know them on a deep personal level. We want to fight for our families. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people out there are just jumping around from church to church to church because there's something that they disagree with or people they don't like? And yet God wants us to be family. Yeah, and yeah. family has a heart to reconcile. We fight for our families. Yeah. We fight for world evangelism. Yeah. I mean, when you look around and you see the high suicide rates, the, the divorce rates, you see the, 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 the distress, the, the, the in debt, and the discontented, as yeah. David talked about earlier. And these people's lives are yeah. destroyed. We see famous people committing suicide the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. What's, the, what's the only solution? It's the gospel. Come on. on. And we need to have the faith to see the world evangelized. God has chosen to limit himself to your faith and how you're going to live it out. But more than anything. More than anything, we fight for Jesus' name. Because Jesus came and he lived the perfect sinless life. And he was the ultimate hero for all of us to look up to. And so when we fight, we're only imitating him. Mm -hmm. We need to fight for Jesus' name. These are heroes, and you are heroes. You know, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, it's pretty funny. We're not going to get into it, but Saul is out there and he's routing the Philistines, the enemy, the oppressors. He's routing them together. And the Israelites get so inspired, the Bible says that the Israelites join the battle... In hot pursuits. Mm. <laughs> you see, it doesn't take long to get inspired. Yeah. And so it doesn't really matter where your faith is at this morning. You can decide to jump in the battle with hot pursuits and be mm-hmm. a hero of the faith today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, go, well, I got these different challenges. I mean, I've got these things going on. Get inspired. The enemies on the run join in hot pursuits. Mm-hmm. I'd like to bring up a dear sister, mm-hmm. and that's Lori Jordan. Uh-huh. <laughs> You see, Lori is a very dear sister to all of us. Some of you women might even call her your mother in the faith. Lori joined us not too long ago, and it was really out on a limb because she didn't know any of us. She had decided to be a part of the church before she had met anybody. And it was in her heart that God really moved in a powerful way to inspire her to get reconnected with one of her big brothers in the faith, John Causey. And really, the joining of Lori and eventually Peter inspired the church to new levels. And so many people joined the battle in hot pursuit because of the faith of Lori and Peter. On. But particularly Lori. You see, Lori was baptized in 1984. Oh Out of college. <laughs> she, a, she, she, she was ready to just be all in. And God worked in a great way, and so I want to honor Lori this morning with wow. what we're going to call the hero in the faith. Wow. <laughs> Lori is a hero in the faith. Wow. Thirty-four years of faithfulness to God. Wow. How many countless souls have been touched? Wow. And my vision is that at some point, all of us will be. Those heroes in the faith for 34 years. Amen. (laughs) The third thing we need to realize is in 1 John chapter 5. You see, a lot of times we give up in the battle because we don't realize what's actually at stake. Mm -hmm. That's true. And we have a hard time reconciling with the cross. And we go, well, Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Here I am. Now what? And 1 John 5 is actually one of the most controversial Bible studies in all of theology. In fact, it's very rarely you will find two commentators that actually agree in what this passage is talking about. And yet we're going to dig into it today, and I believe we're going to see the victory at hand. Come on, Joel. Come on. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. Come on, Joel. The facts are. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out His commands. You see, right here, the author, John, does something very interesting. He compares and equates believing in God, faithfulness, to loving God. Amen. And then he equates loving God to obeying God. Yeah. In other words, saying you're, that, that without the other two, none of those is complete. Yeah. You need faith, <laughs> you need love, and you need obedience yeah. nice. to God. Let's continue reading, verse 3. In fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. You see what he's saying right here is, yeah. you have faith... You love God, you obey God, and his commands are not burdensome. In other words, he takes away your excuses. He says his commands are not burdensome. If they are burdensome, means the body are burdensome. Why do I got to go to this event? Giving your contribution is burdensome. Why do I got to do this? Why do I got to share my faith? Why do I got to do this? These commands of God, if they're burdensome, the fault is not God's. His command was not too challenging for you. In fact, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. So His commands are not burdensome. So why is it so hard for people to obey the Scriptures, thus love God, thus have a true faith in God? The answer is very simple. Their sin. Mm -hmm. Now it could be selfishness, it could be laziness, it could be pride. There's something that holds them back, either from believing in God, truly loving God, and connecting with God. Or obeying God, there's something in the Bible they personally do not want to accept this truth. Yes. Wow! And yet the author right here says that when you have faith, when you have love, when you obey God, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is amazing. Yeah, come on, bro. This is amazing. Yes. He's saying a promise of God that there is nothing in this world.